Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So welcome to our first edition of Screen Talk Emmy Edition. And I'm happy, I'm Ann Thompson, uh, editor-at-large at IndieWire, who uh, swans into Emmy season every year uh, to sort of uh, throw my weight around without knowing anything about television. Um, but award season's a little. And to help me with this and to be our expert now is our awards editor, Libby Hill. Welcome. Thank you, Anne. And I don't believe you for a second when you pretend to play dumb about the Emmys, but it's very flattering that you would consider me your expert. Well, that's the job you have now here at IndieWire. You are, are, are in fact, uh, writing every single week and assessing and figuring out what's working and, and where the Emmy race is going. And just to give people a sense of, of where we are, what have you been up to this week? Oh, gosh. Uh, FYCs. Always FYCs. There are so many. Um, Let's see, I moderated the GLOW FYC over the weekend. That was very exciting. Uh, Alison Brie and company? Alison Brie, except no Alison Brie. Alison Brie is busy filming on her husband Dave Franco's new film, so she sent in a five-minute clip that was almost a one-woman panel of her own, but it was fantastic. Before we go too much farther, I wanted to mention that this week's podcast is brought to you by 20th Century Fox Television's Modern Family. From executive producers Stephen Levitin and Christopher Lloyd, starring Ed O'Neill, Sophia Vergara, Julie Bowen, Ty Burrell, Jesse Tyler Ferguson, Eric Stone Street, Sarah Hyland, Ariel Winter, Nolan Gould, Rico Rodriguez, Aubrey Anderson Emmons, and Jeremy McGuire for your Emmy consideration in Outstanding Comedy Series and all other categories. It was a great panel, and the problem with GLOW at this juncture is that season two, the season they're eligible for, came out almost a year ago, with season three not ready to drop until August, which means they are losing a little of their buzz cycle it's right now. It's hard to have momentum. It really is. Last season, they they had that boost because the second season came out perfectly timed to boost season one's chances. Um, so they had a pretty good showing as far as nominations went. But this year, they're just at a considerable disadvantage, especially with so many uh, comedies vying in that space. Yeah. I mean, what would you say in in that uh, particular category uh, is, 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 is ahead of them? A lot. Oh, there's a lot. There's a lot out there right now, sadly. I mean, as much as we thought a few months ago that Veep would be the dominant comedy um, heading into this Emmy season, I have to say that 
HBO's Barry might be even stronger. I'm with you on that. The problem with Barry is that it's on the same channel as Veep, and I it's it's a choice of whether HBO is going to back a horse that isn't what they perceive to be the strongest. Aren't they going to have to put, push both of them? They will push both of them, but uh, you know, I they can't win twice for the category. There's going to have to be a choice made at some point. It's an this is this just is a quintessential Emmy issue where you've got the incumbent, if you like, forgive the expression, and in, in, in having to do with Veep, but you've got the the old standby, the loved and beloved thing that everybody votes for over and over and over again, and then you have the rising star, and Barry did well last year as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. So, and, and this season has been even more lauded right. than last. Right. So it's fresh, it's new. It is. Which isn't necessarily a good thing at well, the Emmys. But it can be. I think we have this misguided sense that final seasons of beloved shows always clean up at the Emmys. But that, that, that's not necessarily true. If you remember Mad Men at the Emmys, I believe that the only thing they won maybe their last season was John Hamm. He definitely won. Actor. Yeah. But there was no like heralding, they didn't sweep the Emmys that year. Breaking Bad did better in their final season. And the Americans. And the Americans. But I'd argue that the Americans are an anomaly because it took them their entire run to really break through and make waves at the Emmys. That's not ideal for a series. Right. You want to get some traction going before, <laughs> you know, you're sending your characters to bed. Did you do any other interesting FYCs? That, that's the, this is the season for FYCs. It, so let's oh talk about the general. Um, so we basically have um, the old school, if you like, the HBOs, the FXs, mm-hmm. uh, the AMCs or the TNTs or whoever you want the networks, right. God forbid, uh, the Hulus. And, but Hulu is, is heading into new territory along with Netflix and Amazon, and they are throwing so much money. Talk about what the Netflix FYCs are like compared to everyone else. The Netflix FYCs are bananas, if only because there are so many of them. Uh, so many shows. So many shows, so many FYCs, uh, so many days in a year. But <laughs> I mean, they've taken over an entire studio, they Raleigh have. Studios. They have for well over four weeks, I think maybe up to six weeks. Uh, what they have is they call it the NY, they call it the Netflix FYC SEE space, where they have a freestanding display promoting all of their shows. You can walk around and it seems destined to be your Instagram destination for people. You can stop at an Ozark bar, you can look at costumes. It's very uh, academy friendly, let's say. Um, And then every night they are rolling out special FYCs. They'll have panels and screenings. So for the Glow FYC, for example, they aired two episodes of the season, and then we came out and did a 30-minute panel. Um, and then there was entertainment in terms of for food and drink. Absolutely. After Afterward, there was a reception <laughs> for people to mingle and, you know... Get chow a, down. Get a little bit of a gander at the, at the stars, Absolutely. too. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So the other thing that happens in these situations is that when they can swing it, Netflix will bring out celebrities to host those panels. 
For instance, they had an FYC for Ellen DeGeneres for her first stand-up special in years, and it was guest moderated by her close friend, Jimmy Kimmel. Nice. Right. They have a FYC scheduled coming up with Ava DuVernay for her limited series, When They See Us, about the Central Park Five trial. It's getting a lot of buzz. That's going to be moderated by Oprah. Jesus. And of course, they kicked off their FYC space with the ultimate power move, which was Martin Scorsese coming in and interviewing Bruce Springsteen for Springsteen on Broadway. Bruce! Bruce. Yes, exactly. And that's how the crowd reacted when they were smashed into that space just to see those two living legends. So Netflix's FYC panel is all about power. It's all about show. It's all about saying, we're here. This is the future of television. Come join us. It's hard to go up against that. But at the same time, I mean, if we were just to assess where they are in all the different races, is having more shows than everyone else necessarily a good thing? Absolutely not. I don't think so. Uh, it's, it's hard to rise above the noise. Um, it's easy to forget things when there's that much content and when there's that much content coming from within the same house. We talked about in comedy, Barry and... Veep sort of playing in the same sandbox, but at Netflix, it's that times 10. You know, there are there are a dozen different comedies they may be angling to get in there. And it just it, it's just a matter of figuring out what is resonating with people and what you think you have the best shot of getting into those categories. I don't know if Netflix's FYC space is working. Um, in my estimation, I think it all kind of runs together at some point. And I think you would have better luck with other networks that are trying, or uh, other providers that are trying to differentiate themselves. Over the weekend, Hulu did a special shrill uh, pool party to push their comedy uh, in keeping with one of the episodes of the A.D. Bryant show where uh, plus size women went to the pool and and celebrated themselves and so that was something different they had it it was a literal pool party they aired an episode that's memorable that's different no one else is doing that and like that's where you're going to break through i think in getting tv academy members to remember you I do think that they've been able to break out a little bit two of my favorite shows and we're going to come back to all of these oh, when yeah. we go through the different categories but uh, just as an, an introduction, I I think Russian Doll, for example, I've seen Netflix is, is pushing that several times. They've gone back to that one. I keep getting invited to some new event with Natasha Leone and Leslie Headland, and they don't have to sell me. Mm-mm. I'm sold. And same, and same with Bodyguard, uh, the Richard Madden, which is a British show, and sometimes those are harder to get across, right? They are. And and I would agree. They they know what they have in those two shows, and I think they're smart to keep pushing them. Yeah. It's a way to – the repetition is a good way to, to keep themselves in the conversation, especially when both shows, you know, came out a while ago. And it's easy to get lost in the conversation. Um, I think it's a really good sign that Leon – and Headland are making themselves available for all of these events because that's 
because they are so responsible for the the genius of the show, having access to them, having people being able to hear their explanations for what makes that genius happen is invaluable. And the more people know about the show, the more people understand what it took to make the show, the more people that are going to put eyes on it and ideally fall in love with it like the critical consensus has been. Absolutely. So we're going to go... Oh, oh, there was also a big Nat Geo thing this weekend. There was. A, which was for a, a lot of their docs. Uh, the one that won the Oscar, for example, right. is... up. Uh, uh, Climbing free. Um, for free solo. Free solo. <laughs> Thank yes. you. That that movie won the Oscar. It's also up for an Emmy. Exactly. Exactly. And so they are. They were very wise about that. They had screenings, I believe, at the ArcLight for it for TV Academy members, which is where you want to see that movie, but is very amusing <laughs> to send TV Academy viewers to a movie theater to view a documentary film that originally came out in theaters and is now eligible for an Emmy. But as a piece I wrote earlier this year examines, you know, the whole purpose of having multiple documentary, because it's not, Free Solo is not competing in documentary film. It's, uh, it's, competing in the special category for achievement in documentary filmmaking. So there are multiple documentary there categories. Are, there are. So There's because it first and other stuff. Yeah. Because it first premiered in in, in theaters, it, it there's this differential. And the entire purpose of it is to get more funding for better documentary films. And that's certainly working in this case. So yeah, Nat Geo is is reimagining things too. They strike me. I mean, I remember them putting on this enormous show at the Hollywood Bowl for Jane. And they just strike me as another company like Netflix that's willing to put up the money to promote their stuff. They, Absolutely. They promoted uh, Picasso, for example, right. Genius right. Picasso. And got some, and, and got some, it paid off yeah. for them. One thing I will say before we move on, I have to tell you about an FYC I went to that I saw something that I'd never seen before, and I have to tell you about it. So I went to uh, the FYC for F- for FX's Fosse Verdon, their limited series featuring. Um, well, you've got you've got oh, Michelle yeah, Williams everyone. and Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell as the two leads, exactly playing Bob Fosse and Gwen Verdon, this legendary Broadway couple who together created these genius. Dances and musicals Sweet and charity, exactly. And Chicago, exactly. So, I have loved the 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 limited series. I know Anne is a fan of the limited series, and I am as well. Exactly. We and, and Donahue is the TV editor. Oh yeah, yeah. Here at IndieWire. I meant you, but <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. But so there are fans. There is there is there is a fandom, but I think people didn't feel as though it was getting much buzz. It's, it, it's a niche play. It's it's for people who understand Broadway musicals, really. Right. And it Even turns, if you're a film fan, that's still a negative, that's still a limited subset of being a musicals fan. Exactly. And the thing is, I think I figured it, I f- think I figured out who that niche audience is, and that is Television Academy members. Because <laughs> I have never seen a reception at an FYC like I did Like, they gave Michelle Williams when she was introduced. Because of the venue, uh, the cast and crew entered from the back. When they said Michelle Williams' name, 
that entire audience was on its feet in a moment and that is not an audience that moves very quickly so it was incredible and i think that patricia arquette has some real some real competition for that limited okay, series so lead we're, actress we're we're gonna do limited series right now we're Let's not gonna get it. into the acting though we're okay, gonna do the main okay. the main ones and the idea here um is that uh, escape from to danamora is I think the best thing I've seen all year, bar none. Wow. I have not seen any show that is as well written, directed, executed, acted, where they bring you to this godforsaken cold place mm-hmm. and put you in this prison and introduce you to these characters and you do not know who they are until the very end. Right. And Patricia Arquette is the woman at the center of this triangle with these other two prisoners played by um, Benicio del Toro, who's amazing. Right. And Paul Dano, who's mm-hmm. also amazing. They're all amazing. Right. So yes, that's that is going to be a hard one uh, to beat. I'm looking at the Gold Derby, our sister <laughs> yes. company uh, uh, rankings. Uh, now, the, so on Gold Derby, in case you don't already know this, basically you have these uh, panels of experts, and there's a I don't know, it's like 30 people or something who cover television and a couple of ringers like me um but uh in in the limited series category uh you know ranked by points um you know escape escape at danamora is competing with uh sharp objects mm-hmm. which of course is the jean-marc valet uh follow-up to big little lies only this time he's working with marty Knoxon and and jillian flynn the novelist with amy adams as the lead and patricia Clarkson as her formidable uh, mom, her wicked mom, and uh, and then we have a very English scandal, the Hugh Grant uh, project uh, that was much earlier this year. Um, uh, f- that's Hulu, right, or Amazon? Amazon. Amazon. I always have to remember. Fosse Verdon is in there, but yes. it's in fourth place. Mm-hmm. And then Chernobyl, which I would argue with you having just seen it, it's very fresh in my mind, mm-hmm. that's going to move up. Oh, it is. Oh, it is. The buzz around this that is, is very incredible. competitive. Look at that list. It is. I would argue, honestly, that Sharp Objects is too high. I feel like the buzz around Sharp Objects is non-existent anymore. It was there when it rang. This is the, the issue in terms of timing. Exactly. If I wanted to win Emmys, I would open everything right before Emmy voting. Absolutely, which is what Chernobyl, uh, which is what Chernobyl is going to be writing, exactly. heading into voting. Um, and you have all the reviews, you have all the press, you have everything riding right before, and Fosse Verdon too. Exactly. So you have all of these interviews, uh, you have all these press uh, tied to the finale, all of this press tied to the run that doubles as Emmys press, basically. Sharp Objects, if they want to get people talking, they need to be uh, they need to be generating new content on top of the content that they did a year ago when when well, it actually came out. My interview with Jean Marc Vallee just went up. Well, exactly. <laughs> that was my that was my transition to your wonderful piece. No, 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 no. I like talking to him. He's, he's great. He's a good director, and he's one of those people. Um, they don't come along that often, mm-hmm. who are so sort of confident in themselves that they just don't worry about whether they're saying the wrong thing. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what journalists love. Oh yeah, that's delicious. That's those are my favorites. <laughs> um, but you're, so you don't think Escape at Donnamora is really going to be necessarily the one to be? Oh, I think it still is. I, I mean, I think it's still it's still significant. But again, if it if it falters, it is because there has been a significant chunk of time since its release. 
I remember it had so much buzz heading into the Golden Globes where it did very well. Yes, it did. uh, Because of its release date. And it seemed unquestionably destined to win the Emmy for limited series. And I don't necessarily think that's changed. I just don't think the race is as locked up as it was six months ago, which is not a very profound thing to say. No, I mean, this is, you know, uh, let's give them a sense of the timeline. Okay. So we're we're basically in the thick of, of lobbying for nominations, but the actual voting doesn't begin for like a week, right? Yeah, it begins June 10th. So a week from yesterday, it'll be open for two weeks. It'll close on June 24th, and then we will get our nominees early in July. I think it's July 16th. I think so, too. I have it in my calendar, but that feels like a, a lifetime away from now. <laughs> And we will do our, uh, we will have a podcast going over all of the nominations then. But until then, we're, so the next category we have here is TV movie. And I did catch uh, the number one ranked uh, TV movie here, um, which is uh, Deadwood. Oh, yes. So that's interesting. And then we have uh, Native Son and Brexit. Mm -hmm. And I'm missing something from this list. It's been, it's been cut off classically. Um, so what would be the uh, front runner to your mind? I think that Deadwood is definitely solidly in first, in, in first place as far as contenders, if only because it has that emotional backstory. You know, the series was unceremoniously, unceremoniously canceled by HBO after three, seri- uh, three seasons. So it um, never had a proper finale. It never had a proper finale. At I the, loved that show. Oh, I did too. I was a total fan. I did too. So they never had a proper finale, but HBO promised them two television movies to wrap up any prolonged story or any continuing storylines. They never happened. And now 12 years later, we're finally getting a TV movie. Not necessarily to wrap up loose ends, but to maybe put a period where a comma had been previously. And and it was like a gift to fans for their for their continued affection for the show. And really, for from all the staff I've talked to uh, on Deadwood, it was a gift to them, too. And they treated it that way. It was wonderful to see these actors. Yes, they were older, but they plopped you right in. You remembered them. You remembered everyone. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting to me, I remembered the characters. I didn't necessarily remember all the plot details of what happened to them. Right. But the, uh, the, the movie just brought it all back. It was wonderful. It was wonderful. The and other language thing, oh is what I God. just reveled in, the David Milch ar- archaic language. Well, and that's another thing that Deadwood has going for it is the fact that uh, shortly before the movie premiered, it was revealed that David Milch is actually... Uh, suffering from Alzheimer's, which uh, suggests that this will likely be his last project. He did not actually direct the film. He went with a, a longtime um, Deadwood uh, contributor, Daniel Minahan, who, who directed it, but he was on set giving notes. He wrote the script. Um, there is going... No one else could have written those scripts. No. There, script. there is going to be a lot of goodwill... Of goodwill for David Milch. A lot of affection and, that and respect. Right. So the other ones that are in the running are um, Mrs. Wilson, mm-hmm. uh, but I suspect that will mostly be for Ruth Wilson herself. Right. 
Maniac, Mm -hmm. which um, I think got hurt by some bad reviews and seems to have fallen off. But True Detective must still have some... Yes and no. Like, it, it... It was a return to form after sort of an abysmal second season, and Mahershala Ali's performance was obviously um, ridiculously lauded, but I don't know, you know, I don't know long-term what that means for for True Detective. Um, I don't know how strong a contender it is. What's the difference between a mini-series and a TV movie? One has episodes, and the other is a one-shot movie thing. Correct. So uh, Catch-22 is still a limited series. It is. Where's that in the running? You know, I hear people that when they watch it, they like it well enough, but it doesn't, there's no urgency behind it, which is kind of a problem when you're dealing with peak television like no one has time to watch everything so what you end up watching is the stuff that there is a real uh urgency to do so you can get caught up with the critical conversation right i mean Clooney will get in i hope so i hope so too i love Clooney. i thought they did a really good job on that show i think so too and i love the book and they captured it um but there was something Something that's true of all of Clooney's work as a director that is true of this series is that he respects and admires old Hollywood ways of doing things and ends up revering that perhaps a little bit at his expense. That's true. I mean... Because uh, he's in effect the showrunner. He and Gren has love. Right. And TV is not film. And I think, I, I do feel like film has more room for that appreciation and not that it's not lost sure. on TV. I'm no? not sure. I mean Netflix, I mean one of, this is a whole other conversation. The thing I like about Netflix is that they're allowing some old-fashioned straight-on movies like The Highwayman for example from John Hancock or I'm not saying this is in the Oscar, in the uh, Emmy race or anything, but um, some of these movies that wouldn't make it theatrically, that wouldn't have the edge or the the novelty that that would be required in the in the in the movie world, can exist on a place like Netflix and be appreciated by right. people. Right. But in order to compete in the Emmy race with something like Catch Twenty Two, you sort of have to hit a home run. Yeah, absolutely. Something else I will say about limited series. Uh, that we need to talk about is When They See Us, the Ava DuVernay project on Netflix, again, that we mentioned earlier. That should be in our limited series conversation. Um, is it, am I crazy? This is sometimes a, a, a category that isn't as crowded as drama. This year it is crowded. A limited series is ridiculously crowded this now. year. Yeah, and I think in, in small, and not in small part to how limited series has been treated before, um, Big Little Lies was limited series last year, but then transitioned to drama series this year because... They extended it. Yeah, exactly. It did not limit like they promised it would. Yeah, I, never, I still don't understand why you cancel a series and then you know, and therefore let everyone know that it isn't really a, a contender. I don't even know. Um, As so, a, ooh, well, there's a lot of them. There's all, we didn't have, is True Detective a real contender? You know, it's it's in there. I'm not sure how far how maybe just for Mahershala. Yeah, I think largely for her Mahershala. Um, yeah, mo- mostly for Mahershala. I think almost been there, done that. A little a bit, way. a little bit. Although I don't know, they're gonna love an opportunity to reward Mahershala though. Like, who wouldn't? 
Um, as far as TV movie, let me double back for a second because Black Mirror Bandersnatch. That's the one that's missing. Right. Yes. That is that that could. Um, I wonder though. I don't know. If you look at that show. I know. And I like Black Mirror. I mm-hmm. loved the one that was up last year, the Star Trek one. Oh, yeah, yeah. I am a fan of that series. Mm-hmm. This one was an anomaly. It got most of the attention because it was breaking uh, into this sort of interactive ending thing where you could follow all these different strands and pick all these different uh, storylines. I didn't think it worked very well. I, I, I really didn't like it. Right, right. And I think that's, so that's the choice. I think that it's going to come. older viewers? Are they uh, going to like it? Exactly. So we get down to a choice between innovation and uh, nostalgia. It and played kind of young, I thought. Exactly. And if its main competition is Deadwood. No contest. Exactly. But. Did you see Brexit? I did not. I didn't see that either. I mean, even if it's Benedict Cumberbatch, I know. I, I love catch him. up with it. Well, one of us should. <laughs> we'll do our homework and come back and report. It'll be great. It's impossible to stay on top of everything. But as far as Maniac is concerned, we're back in in that one. That's a series, a limited series. I wasn't a big fan. I dropped out. I it's, admit. It's not I my like the actors. Yeah, I love Emma Stone. Of course, of course. I you know I saw what they were going for. It wasn't. Jonah Hill was very good. Yeah. Yeah. No, I didn't like it. Yeah. It just wasn't... Like, I could not love everyone involved with it more, but also it did nothing for me. Agreed. Which is not great. Nor me. And this is going to be a terrible podcast. We just agree with each other because we're both Mm. right. Yes, of course. We're always going to be right. The act is another one that might... Patricia Arquette twice. Absolutely. This one... And this is what makes me wonder. So this one is a movie? No, that's a limited. It's, a series it's also too? a limited series, but she is supporting actress oh, in I this. See. So that's something I'm wondering about. If they decide to award Arquette once, does that free up one category or the other from someone else? Or does she take both? I suspect she gets nominated both times. Exactly. She doesn't win both. No. So that I think that'll be interesting. I think that'll we'll we'll keep an eye on that after nominations come out and see how she plays it. Since uh, Dana Mora is from Showtime, at from yes. Showtime, yes, and the act is on Hulu, so she's going to be dealing with two different networks and and campaigns, and it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. All right, so we're going to go home and continue to catch up with all this stuff. Try. And uh, we will reconvene next week and uh, dig into some more categories. Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.